0: Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hey, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer.
1: Hi, I'm Donna Sarko. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi,
0: I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sunnya Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Me. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Laszlo. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know podcast. All the latest Microsoft cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know podcast. All thanks to the. The CIAOps patron community, the Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at CIAops.podbean.com. Welcome on to episode 279 of the Need to Know Podcast. My name is Robert Crane, and I'm aiming to give you all the best news around Microsoft 365, Azure, and the Microsoft Cloud with a particular flavour of SMB. So this week, a uh, couple of interesting things here from uh, Microsoft. The first one is what they announced today uh, is this Teams Essential license. Now they're selling that for about $4 US per user per month. Um, it, it's sort of a, you know, includes the, the SharePoint for file storage and a sort of a basic uh, Microsoft 365 uh, environment. Now there's a couple of videos. I'll put a link to the blog post for you to go in and have a look at it. Uh, I must admit that I am a bit skeptical skeptical about how well this will do. Now, again, Microsoft's already done its research, and there are people that are asking for this, and it's probably aimed as a direct compete against some of the standalone competitors out there. Uh, but, but I think when you look at the cost of something like Business Basic or maybe some of the other licenses, it's very similar to this Teams Essential. I don't quite understand the differentiation between the two Um, and I think perhaps uh, those who are using standalone competitive applications look at that as a simplified product it does one thing uh, and it does it very well Uh, but adding in teams you know to me feels as though it's it's probably a bit of an overkill for what a lot of people uh, are sort of really after if they are using a competitive product It's also a bit like the the consumer version of Teams as well, which, again, I feel is a bit of an overkill for what, you know, your average home user really wants when it comes to communications. To me, it sort of needs to be more like uh, Skype than Teams, so a really, really cut-down version, which is just, you know, video conferencing with, you know, again, an absolute minimal of, you know, file storage and things like that to reduce the complexity. But, hey... Who am I to to say anything? Again, Microsoft obviously has put a lot of time, effort, and research in this. We'll see how it goes. I'll put the link in the show notes for you to go and have a look at what this is and what it is all about, and the product is called uh, Teams Essentials. So go and have a look at that. Now, another nice article here from Microsoft is around how to defend against advanced attacks. Now, what's the definition of advanced? Well, typically what we're seeing is... Uh, attacks coming from nation states or supply chain attacks, uh, not what they would call drive by uh, malware from websites and so on, a far more concerted effort to gain entry uh, into organizations. So, Microsoft's got some tips here, got some recommendations about how to prevent this, how to make sure that your identity uh, is protected, monitored uh, appropriately against these sort of common attacks how to not only plan the preparation, but also the response and potentially you know simulating these attacks so you get an idea of how the organization uh, would handle it. Microsoft do have a lot of tools in the space that allow you to achieve all this and bringing those all together um, can be a bit daunting for many, many people. So having it in a blog post here allows you to work through those and see whether you can take advantage of what you have included in your license Uh, and maybe adding a couple of additional features now another one here is uh, microsoft moved away from its user voice uh, program to receive feedback on the microsoft 365 product product. it has replaced that with a preview of what's called feedback for microsoft 365 again um, i will put the link in the show notes so the idea here is if you want to make a suggestion for an improvement to any of the features in microsoft 365 you can go to this location you can submit a suggestion and then you can follow it up and see responses from uh, people at microsoft as to you know whether they are looking to implement it or not now the difference here is that this new feedback for microsoft 365 is built on the dynamics 365 customer service engine so probably the major move why microsoft moved away from a third-party tool like user voice to incorporate on their own technology to capture all the signals and the interactions and obviously to make the Dynamics product better as well. So again, have a look at this. All the details will be in the notes so you can go in and have a look at it. But you can go in and have a look at feedbackportal.microsoft.com. Uh, and that will take you to the location. So you can go in and start providing uh, feedback directly, but go in and uh, read this article and see what uh, Microsoft's thinking is on creating this new portal to uh, receive input about the products for improvement. Now, another great post here from Mark Russinovich around the advanced service resiliency in Azure AD. Uh, So it's talking here about one of the most critical aspects of the cloud, about any uh, infrastructure, is going to be its its identity management system. So, how are we going to get in there and manage our identities for our users, our logons, our uh, you know passwords, all of that? How are we going to do that? And in the cloud, in the Microsoft cloud, Azure AD is you know the critical aspect here. Now, Microsoft has been working hard to again remove uh, any you know single point of failure. In Azure AD, it has had you know uh, some challenges with that, but again, this article here outlines uh, what steps Microsoft is taking to uh, make sure that it is far more resilient. Uh, they're talking about you know backup errors. They're talking about putting things in cells, um, having the ability to have you know read-only access if the main uh, AD is offline. So if you want to know more about this and understand better. Uh, how microsoft is addressing you know the capability to keep azure ad up and running uh, in case of some sort of disaster then this is the article i would refer you to to uh, again go through uh, and have a look at now speaking of azure ad one of the really cool things that's now come into preview is this new number matching in microsoft mfa Uh, it's in public preview again link will be in the show notes. the idea is, when you get an MFA challenge, you can obviously put in the rolling number that appears on your authenticator app, or you can have a notification pushed to the device, which the user can then accept. Now, part of the challenge with that is, we all know that some users uh, just click on anything and accept, you know, these push notifications without thinking about them. So. What Microsoft's now done is allow you or allow the user to go in and match a number that appears on the screen with uh, and they actually have to type that in to the Authenticator app. So they see a number on the screen, let's say 65, they then need to go into the app and then type the number 65 in to match, then that will allow the user in. So there's some interaction now required with with the Authenticator app and again I think that makes security much much greater. Now, another thing they've added to the authenticator app uh, is this, what they call additional context. Now, what that will do is in the window when you uh, go to put, or pops up that for you to put the number in, it will also show you your location. or give you a little map uh, to show you where that authentication uh, is taking place. And that's really handy again Uh, so you know where that has been made and you can match that up to make sure that you are you know in that location as well so having sort of a gps or a you know physical based uh, location capability is also uh, super super handy there now you can also have gps based name locations in things like conditional access as well so that's another addition here and uh, you've also got um, you know other capabilities that are in this blog post that i will uh, post for you to go and have a look at but Certainly, if it was me, uh, my recommendation is multi-factor authentication is a must-have. There is no question that it just makes everything so much more secure. And doing it this way, where you have to actually type in a number that appears on the screen, I think is uh, probably as secure and as simple as we can probably get. Uh, So if you haven't implemented that for your users, I'd certainly be going out and doing that. Now, some more on the security side. This is probably more of an article to get some idea and understanding of the lengths that attackers will go to so uh, this is a really interesting article by microsoft again about uh, what's called html smuggling Uh, it will step you through the whole process from you know beginning uh, of the attack all the way through how credentials are you know obtained and the steps and the escalation that attackers will take the impact of the campaign um, over time all right, so again, a pretty lengthy article here. I certainly commend people who are interested in security to, again, go in and have a read of this. It's, it's got a lot of really good uh, information in there to give you some idea of the what goes on behind the scenes with some of these um, advanced attacks. Now, the other one here is the Microsoft, the announcing of Microsoft Defender for uh, cloud apps. Now, the... Previous name of this was Microsoft Cloud App Security, uh, MCAS. Uh, Been using it for a long, long time. Highly recommend it. It really should be in every single environment to give you much better visibility into the interactions uh, that are taking place inside a tenant. Also advanced uh, alerting and security there. So um, it has been uh, obviously renamed, brought under the Microsoft Defender banner. Uh, It has had a number of features added to it. It's now also... Uh, being rolled into the uh, aggregate console, security.microsoft.com, rather than necessarily being in its own portal. So the uh, security.microsoft.com is now going to be the central location where, you know, all of this uh, information will be housed. So go in here, have a look um, at, you know, cloud app security, uh, as they now call it, uh, defender for cloud apps. It's going to take me a little while to uh, get out of uh, using the old terminology there, but there's information on training and how to get up to speed with this also a link here for a free trial to uh experience if you haven't done that but uh, i think you know this microsoft defender for cloud apps as well as the new microsoft uh sentinel is really an absolute for uh, both tenant. Or for, both of these are an uh, absolute must-have for a tenant if you really are serious about security. So again, gives you much better capabilities to monitor uh, and react to any security uh, issues inside your environment, both devices and from services like Exchange and SharePoint Online. So with that, before we get into our interview for this episode, I'll let you know. Uh, that if you do want to interact with me, please do so. You can find me on Twitter at DirectorCIA. You can also send me an email, director@ciaops.com. And if you are looking to be more involved in the Microsoft Cloud environment and keep up to date with things as they change, I'd encourage you to go and have a look at my community, www.ciaopspatron.com com, a couple of different levels there you can join in and basically be part of the community that is focused on the Microsoft uh, cloud. So with that, I'll take the opportunity to thank you for listening to our episode and let's get into the interview for this episode. Welcome along to the Need to Know podcast. I'm joined for this interview by Darren Bennett from Dicker Data. Welcome, Darren. Uh, thanks, Robert. Glad to be here, thank you very much. I hear that you've been pining away to be a guest, so here's your opportunity to be a superstar <laughs> and outdo everybody else at Dicker. So, uh, as always, why don't we get Darren to give us a bit of background on himself and his journey to where he is today?
1: Thanks, Robert. Um, so uh, I'm hoping some of the listeners may have come across me at Dicker, been with Dicker since um August 20, um, 2020, um, previously with. Well, obviously one of their competitors RIPE for close to five years and prior to that I've worked for a few partners um, here in Australia and New Zealand and the UK where I originate from. Um, so I've been in the channel one way or another for about 25 years already. Um, I my current focus is modern work and security across the Microsoft M365 and to a degree a bit of Azure. Um, uh, historically um I spent a lot a lot lot of time across Um, virtual desktop infrastructure technologies like Citrix, Microsoft and VMware um, uh, going back again sort of about 25 years almost to the time when um,
0: Citrix started out sort of 30 years ago so um,
1: it's been a good journey so
0: far. Excellent well you've been around since dinosaurs walked the planet like me it would seem so uh, (laughs) welcome (laughs) welcome to the modern age as they say so what I've asked Darren to come on board and have a bit of a discussion around and give his unique perspective on uh, is the new modern management paradigm from Microsoft. Now, we have heard a lot of that standard um, you know, spiel from Microsoft around Intune and you know, Endpoint Manager and so on, but I think that you know, Darren's in a unique position where he can speak to the interactions and the observations he's had from a a wide range of different sorts of um, resellers that are out there. Those are doing it well, those maybe not so much. So from that point of view, uh, Darren, where do you see, what's the, the major differentiation when it comes to modern management? If we can build, you know, boil it down to one single, you know, point that you sort of need to get your mind across to be successful with this modern management paradigm um, what do you think that would be yeah I think it's um, to put you down to one thing
1: maybe but definitely getting that consistency and um, being able to confidently um, allow those devices to be used in a secure way obviously COVID has introduced a an acceleration of of those types of scenarios, and I think for some partners, the tools that they're using today have um, perhaps been a bit of a challenge for them. Um, you know, I've got many partners I still speak to that the customers require a VPN and line of sight in order to be managed, which I think is a significant challenge. It's a it's a clunky user experience. Their solutions are not agile, and in some instances, I'm seeing. Um, the results of audits, for example, where those solutions are fixing a very specific issue. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're limited in their capabilities. So having a broader solution that, that delivers a, um, a vast array of capabilities is essentially where the partners need to get to. And, of course, we do have some of those um, that are doing a very good job of it already.
0: So have you found that in your travels that this is a new paradigm for partners managing devices especially iOS and Android and you know mobile phones and so on or is it sort of a migration from perhaps what they were doing where does the modern management come into it is it suddenly something new they have to worry about and deal with and integrate with their customers or was it something they're largely uh, they were largely doing and now need to look at taking advantage of the tools that Microsoft provides yeah good question I think Um, Overwhelmingly, they just haven't been doing
1: anything previously. So they may have been managing, obviously, Windows devices, but I think um, in particular, personal devices have largely gone untouched, um, especially mobile phones, for example. Um, So to to that point, it is a bit of a new landscape for them. At the same time as they start to look at cloud identity, in particular, I find that um, managing a device purely from the cloud becomes quite a a, a sort of a natural progression as the next step. So I don't think it's a massive leap from sort of having not managed devices particularly well historically to now needing to manage devices. I think it's there is a degree of sort of natural progression um, in in that sort of journey to the cloud. It is is certainly a very common conversation. I'm I'm having conversations with partners where they're bringing that subject up, so to speak. So um, it's clearly something that... um, if you like, is resonating with with partners um, in the market, and hence why they're asking me those questions.
0: So one would think that this is also driven by, as you mentioned, the security requirements placed by businesses wanting to move to a uh, a better you know standing when it comes to insurance um, compliance requirements, essential eight, uh, and so on. So a lot of it, I think, is being driven uh, from the end user into the customer into the reseller space now. Obviously, Microsoft has a range of tools, um, you know, Endpoint Manager, Intune and so on, and these are available typically with uh, Microsoft 365 Business Premium and above. Now, you would probably agree with me that these tools for most resellers, resellers have proven uh, a bit challenging just given their breadth and the number of options. I mean, is that a fair statement that there's sort of a lot to consider if you are getting into this space for the first time, as many people are? Yeah, absolutely. I think um,
1: even if you read some of the high high level value proposition that that the vendor um, you know, speaks to around endpoint manager, um, you know they talk about device compliance, data security, and and so on. Um, you know, the, the sort of endpoint manager platform becomes um, a way of controlling, but you, you do need to have a bit of a broader understanding of some of the other um, capabilities within the N three six five stack. So it can it can seem there's a lot of things to understand. I think at the same time, excuse me, um, it probably couldn't be made easier, if I'm honest. It's very intuitive. It's just a case of spending a bit of time uh, and familiarising yourself with them. And of course, um, as you know, here at Dicker, we're constantly running enablement sessions, sometimes with you, of course, Robert, um, to to do exactly that, really, just to help people get a sort of broad understanding of exactly what capabilities they do have and um, how to switch them on and integrate them and use them properly and efficiently
0: I think probably one of the biggest changes um, that I see or struggles that many resellers have is you know the breadth of options so if we go back to group policy days we had you know lots and lots of options we've got the same sort of thing in the endpoint manager but now we're talking about you know iOS and Android and Windows uh, so that obviously ratchets up the number of options there and we've then got BYOD and we've then got corporate owned uh, that makes again it, it gives you that ultimate flexibility, but uh, the reality is, is this endpoint uh, manager from Microsoft has come from an enterprise background, Config Manager on-prem, that a lot of people you know we're using, like I said, to manage things very granularly inside a very large enterprise. But this brings a two-edged sword. It gives you those capabilities, but for the smaller provider who may not have that experience this can be, you know, a very big uh, challenge. So when uh, this is introduced to the resellers you deal with, you know, where do you tell them to start? Where do they need to actually, you know, get their feet wet? What would you suggest them do around this? Now, my recommendation is always, you know, don't go in and turn everything on and lock it all down immediately because that will be a source of much pain and many tickets. But when you're speaking to them and they come to you and they get it and they want to get themselves involved uh, with these capabilities where's your recommended starting point yeah i think you and i had these sorts of
1: conversations a few times historically robert um yeah it's a very good point um i always make a um a point of bringing this um you know subject to the forefront when i'm when i'm talking to partners certainly i think um focus on one platform and of course with Windows probably being the most common platform they're going to be managing moving forward. And, um, you know, in in almost all instances, they're using Windows themselves from day to day. So that would always be my primary focus. And, of course, being a Microsoft platform, um, I'd argue there's certainly more capability from a a Windows management perspective anyway. But I also encourage partners to consider deploying it in their own environments, albeit um, still in a very um, staggered fashion. To your point, um, I, I always strenuously ensure um, people understand they should not deploy, um, you know, settings to, to all users, even in their own business. Um, you know, to be very cautious, and I generally give them a few examples, especially in some of the baseline policies that Microsoft have done a great job of creating, and you know, where things um, may go wrong if they, and to your point, switch everything on, uh, and just just try deploying things. So um, definitely um, taking your time and running it in isolation. Um, before uh, before deploying it to a customer and even then, of course, following the same suit so in, in the sense that you deploy it very gradually and, and to a very small subset of users initially while you test it and get, get, get familiar with it ultimately.
0: Well, I think unfortunately that hasn't been the case for many people. Many of the experiences or the interactions I have is somebody coming to me, you know, desperate to get something implemented as soon as possible, wanting to turn everything on and trying to resolve issues and troubleshoot and whatever. So I think the, messaging probably is around that, you know, you do need to invest time and effort to understand is once you've got this with any other technology, then you can automate it and systematize it across the environment. And I think the point about systemization and working to standards that you create is very important because there are lots and lots of options. So for example, if I'm troubleshooting a arrangement for, you know, a resale or whatever, When I look at the way that it's been set up, you've got all these policies of the same name, you know, Windows 10, or they're all called test, or they're, you know, all of these interactions here, which make it very difficult to troubleshoot. So that time of building up a standard before you go in is going to pay you lots and lots of dividends down the track when you do have to um troubleshoot so is that what you're finding that resellers are coming to you and they've already tried it and they've they've you know not been able to get it to work the way they want or is it still early in the game for these people that they're looking to come in and well, haven't really done anything yet what's the best practice approach
1: yeah a combination of both but probably more so um
0: those that did
1: or tried um you know in, in tune based on its old naming convention, Intune, um, back in the day, shall we say. Um, I, I know there were definitely examples that I've spoken to partners about where they, they've switched everything on and they've deployed it and had issues, and due to the pressure from customers and um, you know, resourcing internally, the, the easy option has been to switch it off um, to back out of it, and um, perhaps they've been burnt a little bit by that. So I do totally agree. I think um, you know time up front and investment – definitely pay dividends. There are a lot of settings, as you say, you think of how many settings you could deploy in, in uh, group policy, for example, and um, you know, even the standard group policy without, without custom group policies that you could create, of course. Um, uh, I, again, I quite often suggest that testing should be over course of an extended period of time, um, monthly processes, end of quarter processes, and of course, end of financial year processes. There'll be times as well when sort of heightened awareness needs to be um, considered. I guess standard practice, but um, certainly that, that there have been instances where I've spoken to partners where they've tried to do too much too fast um, and it's and it's burnt them ultimately. Um, and it's been a bad experience for the customer.
0: So um,
1: patience and time and
0: um, testing. And not having the situation forced on you is probably the the best approach I would suggest. So getting into mm. it early and beginning to learn it is, is the way to go. I think you would agree.
1: Yeah, I think that's to that point, I think we do see some instances where partners are, uh, are trying to use that technology or other technologies at times to fix an immediate problem rather than being a bit more strategic and taking their time, like you say. So that, that would definitely be the case when you consider you know, the reality is that chances are these sorts of solutions are going to become um, as common as group policy. And, and it's kind of unavoidable to a degree that you'll use them. I think the sooner that, sooner that people get on that journey, the better.
0: So let's turn our attention to something, the new technology here that's part of Endpoint uh, Manager and Modern Device Management that I was a bit surprised to see wasn't taken up as quickly as I would have thought. So we're talking about Autopilot. Autopilot is a way to basically do an out-of-box experience, to minimize the questions and input that a user needs to make, and deliver a customized, ready-to-go machine directly to the end user and have it shipped from you know a distributor uh, like Dickon now I would have thought that you know autopilot would have been something that many resellers would have you know jumped on prior to COVID but also during COVID because it means the machines don't have to be shipped to them they don't have to do their normal imaging process they can just push them um, out the door um, is it fair to say now, perhaps, that Autopilot's beginning to come into its own more resellers are more accepting of it? Um, is that sort of what you're seeing in the trend, or is it still a relatively low uptake?
1: Um, yes, yeah, so again, another good question. I think um, starting to get more questions, like you, though, know, I am surprised that there weren't more, perhaps at the start of the pandemic. Um, you know, there's some irony, isn't there, in the fact that uh, you could argue it's a zero-touch deployment. and you know there we were at the start of the pandemic all trying to avoid touching things and sanitizing and so on but it just didn't um seem to didn't seem to be front of mind. I think probably in some instances partners were still sort of rallying around trying to fix other other issues. But certainly I guess over time I do get more questions and I guess ultimately um there's more messaging in market about them. But I still think the uptake is pretty slow. We do have some partners as you can imagine in such a broad mix of um partners and, and you know with so many partners that we have here in australia and in new zealand there are some that have been doing it for a long time and are very mature in that space and others that are sort of just starting on that journey i think to your point a minute ago as well sometimes the the calls and the questions i get are we need to use autopilot where do we start um and and they haven't started the journey of of in tune at all so um they're kind of chasing their tail to a degree in, in, in that regard but there's a you know, there's a there's a there's a few steps to go through before they can get to that point so in some instances that might be um, holding feel, some back mm-hmm.
0: do you feel it's maybe not um, that the you know the, the blocker here is a you know a business process that they're locked into I mean many people are still locked into that traditional concept of I buy a product a PC from a disti I have it delivered I add a markup I add a bit of value I add a bit of you know um, you know software and whatever to the device and then i give it to my customer rather than stepping back and saying well really does that apply these days because the customer can go to a electrical goods store pick one up and be working without me being even involved is it still do you feel like you said that sort of mindset that hasn't been overcome rather than really a, a technical limitation
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, Interestingly, you know, I could probably say almost every week, I'll I'll have a partner say to me that they, you know, that they feel that that extra two or $300 that of cost they're adding to each device, they need to remove from their business, their customers sake and to make their general sort of their business and their offerings more appealing to customers. And again, because maybe other partners are offering those services, they need to find a way of removing those costs. Others are definitely still um, you know better the devil you know maybe it's perhaps their sort of attitude towards it um, but more and more of those conversations are around um, uh, you know doing things better or a better way of describing it and being more efficient um, but certainly I think there is a mindset to a degree a bit of a mindset issue there um, it's, it's a known, known entity they've been doing that way for a long time they don't necessarily feel that process is broken or not a better way of describing it.
0: Well, I think that process as you mentioned the traditional process of buying machine bringing it in-house and obviously speccing it or doing whatever they need to do, like I said, still works and still is um, something that you can use. But um, I would suggest that going forward that, you know, the focus on hardware or infrastructure is, you know, in the decline because there is now so many offerings and it is totally consumerized. So the question now becomes, okay, where's the value I can add, especially as a small provider that, you know, the big box store or whatever can't uh, basically, you know, add. And I think there's also this um, trend of this, you know, this unboxing concept of, you know, people lining up at the Apple store to get the latest phone and, and this big hoop and um, around uh, the latest device when they come out. And that does wane very quickly, but I don't see a lot of resellers understanding that sort of mindset. And is that perhaps a generational shift, because many resellers are of a particular demographic or uh, you know um, age bracket, and maybe the people coming into the market now, running companies and being part of companies, their expectation is very different from what the you know current reseller uh, really is used to. I mean, do you have any thoughts or comments on you know again this demographic shift and perhaps the people who are younger coming into the market and into businesses? more accepting of, you know, basically going out and buying a device of any brand to get a job done.
1: Yeah, 100%. You know, that shiny new device. Who doesn't like that moment when you unbox a new device and, you know, um, absolutely. So I definitely think there is a generational shift, perhaps, that's still yet to fully unfold. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, device as a service, something that um, obviously we talk about, here at Decadata as well, being able to sort of refresh that device over a relatively short lifecycle compared to sort of um, the way things have been done historically, um, having access to the latest security capability from a hardware perspective as well. Um, so there's there's lots of different drivers for that um, scenario playing out, not just obviously the consumer enjoying undoing that box, but um, yeah it's it's it can be interesting to have things unfold in the next five to ten years I think there's
0: also the other aspect here is the fact that as you've mentioned we've gone through this health issue we've had people working you know from home and and to a degree isolated but we've also seen you know the great resignation as they're calling it of people shifting jobs and now realizing they can work from home and work for multiple companies um, sort of detaches that old approach of, you know, I go in and I sit at a desk and I'm given a PC and I work and then I go home sort of thing. It seems that we've now moved into this far more flexible uh, and maybe, you know, gig style economy, which was coming but now has been accelerated. And that's going to mean that, you know, people bring their own devices, their own preferences, and, you know, how does a company manage uh, and maintain and secure those? And that's where obviously coming back to the endpoint manager, Uh, side of things is going to be really, really important because I don't think this is going to decrease. We're going to see more and more of these sort of demands of, well, I can't manage the device, but how do I manage the information using application management? So um, Mm. I think that's a big change that we're seeing. Is, Is that a conversation you're having with resellers to, you know, from resellers or that you're having with them say, look, you know, think about this, you know, the hardware is less important. It's more about managing the applications and the, the data inside those
1: yeah 100 i know going back probably towards the start of my tenure at, um dica data i remember you and i having a conversation about windows information protection um, and some of the other capabilities in endpoint manager you know absolute absolutely it is um and um you know, including windows devices byod devices as well so um, you know, device compliance application um, policies and so on um, it is a very common Part of the conversation, again, from some of the um, workshops and labs that I deliver for DECA Data, there is a heavy focus on mobile application management as opposed to mobile device management. Um, you know, I think generally speaking, it's perceived as being the most common scenario. I think to a degree, it's not quite reality yet. But to your point, I think with the sort of younger generation, those different types of working um, styles, if you like, potentially having multiple jobs. Um, but using your own device, then obviously those things become absolutely paramount. Again, I do think Microsoft do a, a very good job of making it um, relatively simple to um, consume that type of um, security and deploy it to devices. Um, so kudos to them for for, for that. But yeah, absolutely, it's, uh, it's definitely top of mind. More and more questions around BYOD um, uh, are definitely coming up from partners.
0: Okay, so maybe you can take a moment and talk to us and help us understand or help the listeners understand, firstly, what is the concept of white-gloving and what is the benefit um, of using that sort of approach?
1: Yeah, um, so white-gloving is ultimately the the provisioning, the, the sort of fully provisioned state of a device prior to being delivered to a user. So um, autopilot allows you to automatically provision the device, but, but in that scenario it could occur by the end user when they receive the device. Um, so they could unbox it um, and authenticate to the tenant uh, and then wait a period of time, obviously dependent on their internet connection and what, um, what sort of applications are gonna be downloading and installing on that device Potentially including Windows updates, for example. Um, you know, the experience is the device could sit there for for potentially a few hours and possibly even longer um, while it's provisioning. the The idea of white glove is that it's um, fully provisioned before the user receives it, so their experience, the user's experience, um, is therefore very straightforward and very quick. They pick their regional information, their keyboard layout, um, uh, authenticate, and and off they go. Everything's fully provisioned. So. Um, obviously, from a distribution point of, um, point of view, um, where we sit in that process is that we have the capability to to do that deployment in our warehouse. So um, our partners procuring hardware through dicker data can, um, and using M365 and Endpoint Manager, for example, um, can have those devices fully provisioned and we ship direct to the end user. So not only are they now not intercepting those devices and spending time um, and money deploying them, um, the, uh, the devices are going directly to the end user. So there's, a, there's another sort of reduction of cost in the, in the way of removing those shipping costs from the from the, um, processes as well. So all around a very good end user experience. Essentially, we've been white gloving in one, one way shape or form for, for many years using other technologies, um, even for server platforms, for example, uh, not, just, not just client operating systems, but uh, now we extend that out to being able to use white glove and autopilot through um, endpoint manager.
0: All right, so hopefully you've seen the announcement from Ignite that Microsoft is now breaking its um, uh, its device management capabilities, so the managed desktop I'm talking about. So it's now yeah. got a managed desktop P1 and P2. Uh, typically, this was aimed at the enterprise by providing a service per month that manages... You now the Windows updates, the Office updates, uh, all that sort of stuff around the hardware. Now, Microsoft has taken the approach to introduce a cheaper and, you know, I suppose a lighter weight P1 plan. Um, my question is, and and again, you know, is there much request or thought by resellers of that existing plan? And then, projecting into the future here a little bit from your point of view, is do you see this as being something? That resellers, you know, will look at uh, as maybe like autopilot and consider it, or is it something? Do you feel that they will uh, oppose or find, you know, reasons not to deploy? Where do you see the, you know, the managed desktop from Microsoft sort of falling into the scheme of things uh, as we go forward? Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, I
1: think there'll be some businesses out there that want to focus on other things and that, that sort of desktop support desktop management doesn't really fall within the sort of general remit of their business. That's bound to be the case. It's always going to be those examples. I think though, for some of those that do today, they might look at efficiency and scale, for example, potentially even maybe doing some of it in-house and, and using Microsoft for, for certain scenarios or um, again, to help sort of scale. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, it will be interesting. Um, yeah, as, as far as questions go, um, not so many just yet, but obviously that announcement, that particular announcement was obviously only last week. Um, there have still been questions around uh, Windows 365, of course, since that announcement. Um, uh, and again, still seeing a significant increase in those questions around device management generally. So um, the Microsoft management conversation is, is, is bound to um, come up more as we move forward.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting situation. You've got Microsoft providing more and more features and capabilities in the... Uh, space, many of these probably could be seen as um, you know, potentially competitors to what maybe traditional resellers have provided. And you do have that option perhaps for organizations, like you said, who want to focus on a particular area. They can outsource that or they can get Microsoft involved. Uh, to do that and remove that part of their business and potentially remove third-party suppliers they may be using for that and go forward you know with a leaner uh, and more focused you know organization perhaps that looks at the higher uh, stack but I would think that what we were likely to see again over time is that the commoditization of those sort of things is probably what's going to dominate because it's so easy for Microsoft to be able to do it. Um, you know in the space today why not outsource it to the people that are um, you know basically riding the stuff and again if the cost is there maybe but I think it's going to be one of those things a bit like you know autopilot it's there progressive people will use it um, but again maybe a lot of people will be resistant to it because they see it as a threat to their existing business model so I'll have to wait and see but I'm very interested to see how that plays out in the lay of the land and what discussions come from you know, the, the the resellers about this. So with these sort of technologies, the autopilot, the endpoint security, the, you know, even the managed desktop now, are you basically going to your customer base and, you know, spruking these and showing them the advantages or is it more a case of, you know, talking about it and and waiting for them to get to that point? What's your sort of sweet spot do you find that, that will actually get... Uh, adoption or will actually get people to pay attention to, you know, some of these capabilities we're now seeing. Um, yeah, definitely. Obviously, we're pushing
1: that market, oh, sorry, pushing that message quite heavily in market. Um, you know, generally, we've got obviously such a broad range of partners, some large and um, lots of small partners as well, of course, and they're all sort of in a different Um, part of that journey generally but um, so in some instances they're even coming to us asking those those questions and um, you know you'll see lots of acquisitions in market lots of different types of IT businesses coming together with different types of services and in some instances that is also sort of driving and igniting conversations but um, yeah it's it's um, definitely a, a, a mixed bag, so to speak. Um, obviously, we run lots of enablement sessions as well around these technologies. Um, and again, I think I said earlier on, there's been some instances where the conversations that have been directed at myself and of course, Tim O'Neill and the team um, have been as a result of things like audits, where um, in some instances, the partners are um, running audits themselves or the customers are running audits and it's exposing um, areas that they need to improve. Um, and they're now out there looking for the, the tool sets or the services that can help, um, you know, fill those gaps and, and sort of complement what the incumbent partner is, is already doing
0: today. We well, would certainly see that people like Microsoft are going to market with messaging that, you know, customers are going to be aware of inside, outside their tenants. Um, that's going to make them certainly more aware of it. There's also going to be the drive and the demand from uh, the compliance side of it. You know, if you've got cyber insurance, there's becoming more and, more requirements and basically more forms to fill out to say that, yes, you conform to this, you have it uh, secured to best practices. So there's certainly going to be this need to do that and do that in the most cost effective manner that can be done. And again, the idea here is we will see all the benefits being added to a SKU like Microsoft 365 Business Premium. Um, You really can't achieve what you need to, I wouldn't suggest with anything less. So I think that also too, I think has been a resistance point many partners perhaps have gone in with a, a cheaper approach to the licensing rather than looking at the value add and now they're beginning to realise that okay this is what we need to do we need to upskill and change the licenses luckily the licensing change isn't too dramatic or too impactful but you do need those base level tools in there to start making that that difference and, and get on <coughs> board with that so um like I so I think that's sort of the approach and I think that that would be something that that is that Dicker would be encouraging for sure wouldn't it yeah, absolutely. It's been a been a
1: major part of our messaging for the last year, um, you know, pushing that business premium value, um, you know, like you say, um, above and beyond that sort of standard licensing cost. I think also um, something else which I hadn't mentioned previously is seeing more and more um, conversations around compliance. ISO 27001 has come up a few times even in the last couple of weeks. Um, so, again, there's, there's conversations and things that the customer is now talking about more and more. Um, that the partners are responding to. Obviously, again, I know you're an advocate of the of the subject of the data breach legislation. I think when um, businesses start to understand their requirements, there, um, again, that that sort of set of tools and the um, the products and solutions that they're using, um, you know, is top of mind, and that's where really Business Premium has a good fit. Of course, last week we also saw um, Defender for Business being added to Business Premium, which I think again highlights where Microsoft sees the uh, sees where that that bundle of SKUs fits within the market. It is again, I think, to your point, really is essential um, for all of our partners to be considering for all their customers ultimately.
0: Yeah, and I think again, you know, looking at what Microsoft provides, the single vendor solution does make it a lot easier, and there are very few people in the market who can do the same sort of thing. So one of the things that I call out for people to consider is uh, the Privileged Identity Management, which is part of Azure ADP 2. But again, it gives you that capability to escalate on demand. We're also uh, seeing the the growth or the implementation of remote support with Endpoint Manager Microsoft's just again announced. We've now got a dedicated surface uh, device uh, management capability inside Endpoint Manager. I would expect that to grow, to include HP and Lenovo, the big Dells, all the big ones are from there. So again, we're seeing the investments that have been made and being rolled out in this platform. And yes, it is potentially confusing and there are a lot of changes, but at the end of the day, that's sort of the, the modern approach. And again, I think you would agree with me, Darren, that the sooner people get into this and are aware of this, the less daunting it is. I think sitting from the outside, and hearing all these terminologies and, and not understanding it, I think can be, like I said, a bit daunting for people. So I think the secret is to obviously get in uh, and start, you know, getting their feet wet and doing it for themselves first and then for their customers uh, is the, the recommended approach, obviously with, you know, assistance from people like yourselves as well.
1: Yeah, 100%. And um, but what I often speak about endpoint managers partners is it probably quickly become one of their most important and um, favorite tools, ultimately. Almost all the partners I speak to are using an RMM tool. Um, they're probably using Active Directory and Group Policy in some instances. There's a sort of combination of tool sets that they're using today that do you know, parts of what you can do with Endpoint Manager, for example. And I think once they see the, the value and the power of what they can do with Endpoint Manager, it, it will absolutely become pivotal, pivotal to them. Um, I, I also generally tend to show threat and vulnerability management out of Defender for Endpoint. Um, and again, when you start looking at some of the recommendations, the security recommendations that Microsoft provide you there, um, you know, looking back into your tenant, looking at the endpoints in your tenant, and then making the remediation recommendations and the tools that you can use to do that, of course, Intune is um, you know, left, right, and center. It's everywhere, basically. Um, so absolutely, pivotal tool. Um, and again, the partners I speak to that, that start using this are... Uh, um, you know, seeing that value straight away.
0: Yeah, so the things I would call out to look at are the baselines. They're going to give you a Microsoft best practice settings that you can apply quickly and easily to a range of technologies, Windows 10, Edge, uh, Defender. The other one I'll start to call out is the analytics side of it. So Microsoft now has deeper insight into, you know, the speed of the machine booting, anything that's holding it up, you know, processes that are locking memory. Now they're beginning to report that into a console inside endpoint manager so you can, again, give people and end users a much better experience by looking at this um, analytics. And all of this, again, also feeds into, you know, things like, um, you know the new, uh, uh, what is it? Defender for Cloud Apps, which was uh, Cloud App, um, Cloud App security. Yep. Yeah, yep. Microsoft Cloud App Security. All these terms even gets me confused. And then obviously into um, Sentinel as well. So I think that's the big benefit here. Looking at as that ecosystem. All these signals feed together to make it much easier for people to perform the actions that they need to do for their customers. All right, Darren, Well, we are getting towards the end of our, our session here, so maybe if you want to bring this home, give us some uh, roundup, some actions that people could take to get involved, and then please do share your contact details so that they can get in touch with you or follow what you are doing.
1: Yeah, thanks, Robert. I think um, you know probably a, a, a collection of some of the things that we've spoken about um, on this podcast is that absolutely it is a journey that um, that we need to go on. Um, Obviously, we're very familiar um, at at taking that journey with our partners. It's something we do all the time. We're constantly running workshops and enablement sessions and even some hands-on labs that um, help our partners um, accelerate that journey ultimately and familiarise themselves. Um, And, of course, we have a whole team of resources here, technical and otherwise, that, that our partners can lean on. Um, including leveraging our free support so um, we've got all the ingredients needed to to help them on that journey so please obviously feel free to to reach out and let us know when we can help Um, my contact details so darren.bennett at dickadata.com.au, please feel free to to drop me an email um, anytime ultimately we're here to help
0: Excellent. All right. Well, again, I'll take this opportunity to thank Darren for his insight and uh, his time today. Sharing all that knowledge with partners, encourage you to get in touch with him to speak about the topics we've talked about, especially, again, getting into this modern device management. There is uh, a number of areas like Intune and so on and Autopilot to get across, and I think Darren's going to be able to give you the benefit of his experience across a wide range of Uh, resellers and help you work out what will work best for the size of your organization whether you're you know a small operator or a larger operator so uh, again thank you very much Darren for uh, the time and the input today thank you Robert it's been an absolute pleasure thank you excellent all right well I'll thank everybody else for listening to this episode of the need to know podcast you have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.